discusses storytelling from all angles to help you and us answer the call when the muse screams, tell the damn story. We'll be exploring the challenges of being creative in fiction, illustration, comics, film, and nonfiction. What's up, Alex Simmons? How are you, bro? You know, you know, I'm here. I'm here again. You're here again. We're all here again. All of our listeners are here again. Um, I think the again part is pretty cool because without the again part it would mean that the last time was the last time, and I'm not in for that. We're not, yeah. we're not, yeah. we're not yeah. dying out. No, uh, we no. are approaching 250 episodes, which is insane. <laughs> that's insane, ladies and gentlemen. What the hell? Yes, that's yeah, right. yeah. We are approaching uh, a nice number here. I don't know if it's 205, but it's definitely. Well, it's, you it's know. A pr- we're on our way to that. We yes, that's right. We are traveling down that road quickly. As a matter of fact, yeah. yes, we are, and, and, and we're going to have some more, uh, some more guests and and people who on the show who are going to make it even more exciting than just the two of us although just that's the two pretty... of us we can make it can if we try okay anyway <laughs> and did you see all those people clicking off clicking yeah off, clicking... oh no no no, no, no they no. were turning up the volume turning up the volume <laughs> a uh, of, what we're gonna get the comments you yeah, need but... to apologize to learn yes, about you, right. whoever yeah. it was. what i'm going to say is just quickly folks hey glad you're here glad you're here and what we are going to be talking about today is the nature of hero and what yes. does that mean to us uh readers of comics and 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 fans of films and things like that and and to the writers who must create these characters yes but and first and foremost well oh, to ahead. start that yeah yeah i was gonna I say, first go back and where time. do you want to go with that I, you want to go back in time this is not ladies and gentlemen I know you're disappointed. This is not the Alex Simmons time machine. We haven't been on that in a while. That, that Wayback machine. That's, oh, that's true. right. Uh, this is going to be mine. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take us to a completely different podcast. Allow me to no, demonstrate. No, not that. Dun, 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 dun. Stay home comics. and read comics. Ladies that's and gentlemen, right. this is a piece of merchandise Those you that is available, available at um, Marvel by the Month podcast okay and um i stumbled onto this podcast and the idea intrigued me two people um two gentlemen talk about the marvel comics that were published each month starting with the month in 1961 when fantastic four number one came out that's where they've decided to start so that's some month in 1961 and each week they go to another month they do a couple of things. They start off with uh, kind of um, American history at that for that month. What happened in that month in a, in history to set kind of context for for these uh, comics that are coming out, and then you know as it evolves, you see how pop culture evolves. You see how these characters that we're enjoying in, in the MCU, you know, um, you see how much very few people accomplished. It was Steve Dicko, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, um, a few, and a few inkers. And, and that's about it, you know, uh, in the, in the early going and little by little, you see how the first part of the show, what's going on in American history impacts the rest of the show, which is how they tell stories and how they decide to make the Marvel universe reflect 
the world you live in, you know, America, most mostly in New York City. And then they'd start realizing, wait, there's black people in that country that we don't have any in our comic book. And little by little, they start making those. And in the early going, it's excruciatingly painful to see how some of the women are depicted. And little by little, they learn that they have to do that better and on and on and on it goes. So you see this evolution in storytelling in, um, yeah, I, don't know, I guess they do about half an hour, hour episodes. Fascinating. Now, there's a twist. In uh, somewhere in the mid 1965 at this point, I'm a year in 53 episodes. By the way, he's is, not in 1965. No, you're in. He's, I'm in 2022, ladies and gents. Hi, a, how are you? But he's listening to the right. stories that involve yeah. 1965. Okay, 54 episodes in, they're in 1965, and their reality is starting to impact this journey they're on because COVID hit. A matter of fact, this stay in and read comics. This T-shirt. Was released like the February before everything closed down in March. So they meant it just to be geeks, like you know, comic book geeks. I mean, you, Alex, when you were growing up, you yep. occasionally stayed in and read comics. I know I love to stay in and read comics, you know, especially when you get that big pile. Yeah, sure. Um, that's originally what they meant it to mean. And then everything gets shut, shut down and they have to stay home. And it takes on this whole different meaning. Mm -hmm. And now there's kind of this ominous undercurrent that they don't realize because we have, you know, we're in 2022 now. They're talking in 2019, 2020. And um, they're about two months into COVID and they think it's almost over. And you you and I know, oh my God. You know, so it's an extra creative challenge to see how they can stay up and talk about the turmoil that was the 60s and then eventually the (laughs) 70s, while the turmoil of their own lives and the country are going on. Fascinating. So um, I wanted to bring that up. So we know that it is barreling towards that show is barreling conversation going to have today about define a hero and what as a creative are you responsible for where's that line between strong storytelling and taking on uh social um issues you know where's that line and violence porn for example you know so uh this is where we Go to the legendary Alex Simmons. For some wise words, ladies and gents. He's a strange man. It's a very strange man. Hey, thank <laughs> thank you for that that overview of um, uh, Marvel by the Month, and uh, definitely yeah. check folks, it out. It's worth it. Yeah, check out oh, that show. By the way, this guy here, Douglas Wolk. He's not finished, he's a, folks. Hang on a second. Here we go. Yeah. He's a guest star on one. Of, this is a fascinating. He's, this guy, by the way, seven thousand. Oh yeah, for those of you just listening to the podcast, audio, right, right, yeah. I am sticking my rather thick thumb over here uh, towards a book called All Marvels, and it's written by Douglas Wolk, W O L K. This guy read twenty seven thousand Marvel comics in and one wrote day. about it. No, 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 it didn't. <laughs> it's a longer time than that. Um, but then he wrote about 
what he said. Remember when you were growing up and you'd read a bunch of comics and you'd start seeing, especially with Marvel, the through and the connections and stuff. I just well, need to tell you that you're glitching a lot. So I don't know if that I'm, if you're seeing that I'm on your sure side. Not sure why. I will talk to the um, the household. So uh, while you're doing Team that, Ryan. Yes. Yeah. While while you're doing that, while you're talking to the techs, um, yeah. So what, anyway, worth checking out. Go ahead. What what's what's happened is, um, and Chris and I have talked about this in certain episodes of Tell the Damn Story. Is you know what is a hero? What what forms a heroic journey? Heroic characters, uh, and Obviously, we talked about heroes that existed, you know, in comics in particular, but also in film when we were growing up, certainly throughout portions of our adult life and present day. And one of the things that's been developed over the, the, the decades has been the anti-hero. And it's a question starts to become, and it's, this, this came out in an article that I was reading, uh, I believe it's by Tom Brevoort, uh, but it was an article about, you know, how do... How do we depict what depicts what defines a hero these days, in particular in comic book stories? And one of the things that he, he's talking about is the fact that, uh, especially in films now, it seems to be okay if your heroes kill people. You know, there was a time period when, especially like you know, people like Batman, it was a whole thing. It's part of his mantra, supposedly, is that he doesn't take lives. He doesn't use guns. He doesn't take lives. And for most of his comic book existence, yes, in the very first Batman comic in 1939, and possibly for several little stories after that, he had a gun. He had a, a holstered 45, I think it was. Uh, but then he, he got rid of it. And part of it was because his parents were killed. And that became, you know, the stuff of the legend. My parents were shot down. I will not take another human life. I will not use a gun. So we, we follow that through decades of storytelling hundreds and hundreds of batman stories told by you know many many different writers and illustrated by many different you know artists and then we get the tim burton film uh where you know a couple of scenes bothered me uh one of them was the batmobile zooming into the factory uh bombs dropping out of the wheel hubs of the of the car it zooms out now the car is surrounded by villains we see this there's a bunch of villains with guns pointed at the car. The car then turns, zooms out, and the factory is blown to bits. And we don't see any villains escaping. So we figured they're blown to bits too. And I'm thinking, Batman just drove in there, and he's not in the car, as a matter of fact. He sent the car in on remote control. So when it pulls out of the factory and comes to a final stop, it stops in front of him. And so he stood there watching his car blow up a building full of people. And I'm thinking, that's not the Batman that I know. In um, a couple of other Batman films, again, the Tim Burton, he takes life. He puts a bomb down a guy's pants, shoves him down through uh, a skylight, and the bomb blows up. So we know, once again, he's taken a life. Uh, this is not the Batman that I know. And so I tended to go, that doesn't work for me but I have the comics or I have other stories that I've enjoyed and that's the Batman that I know. There've been, and there's been an escalation and, and Brevert's article and other people have said similar things, it's been an escalation of the amount of violence that our hero characters perpetrate in comics over the years. You could look at Punisher, which is one of the characters that comes up and they say, well, you know, Punisher killed people, yeah, 
Well, then you ask your question, is Punisher a hero? And in one of the articles, um, an, an artist refers to Punisher as more, uh, less a hero to this particular gentleman, but more of a necessary evil. He perpetrates actions upon bad people that we may in our hearts or in our minds go, yeah, I would like to see these guys suffer like that. Well, here's a character that does that, but does that make him a hero? And I, I have to agree. I don't see the Punisher as a heroic figure. I do see him as this character who does what he does. So, you know, part of what Chris and I are going to talk about today is, is how are heroes portrayed these days? Is it a matter of societal norms and changes? Is it a matter of, a, you know, are we angrier people these days? Have we lost our moral compass? Uh, how does this affect writers? What is our responsibility as writers? Whether you're writing for an adult audience or a teen audience, you know, the YA, young adult audience, or for middle grade, you know, what is your responsibility? What is a hero? What makes a hero um, um, a role model, if you will, for people to look up to? And is that even necessary or valid anymore? Chris, what do you think? It's about 40 questions there. Which question do you want me to answer? <laughs> Pick one and run with it. Yeah. Well, I, I would go with two, two points uh, to our creatives out there. You're responsible for what you can live with. You know, the reason that writers write and artists art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Uh, is because there's, there's some drive we have to express ourselves, you know, and what do you have to say? I think that sometimes you have to take yourself for a walk and figure that out. What is it? What are you saying? You know, um, there's a danger with creativity, uh, especially if you become you know, the hot writer or the hot Hollywood creative. And uh, you got this responsibility for this big potential bestseller or big tentpole summer blockbuster to make it as exciting as possible. What does that mean? Mm. Uh, into cannon fodder? Is that you know i love the suicide squad i love it you know and both, both versions or the first one uh, especially the uh, both were okay for me but the second one with james gunn uh writing and directing i thought uh, really i found it very interesting and then you know we're reflecting preparing for this um episode there's a part uh sequence with harley quinn where she has been tortured and she has escaped broke the torturous neck well i mean he he was all but killed her over and over again so i found that less uh to accept than when she picked up the guns and killed everybody you know um uh, they were in a country and the reason that 
in the country to begin with was because the American government didn't agree with this particular set of rulers, <laughs> not because they were evil or not evil. And the soldiers, these guys making a living, you know, they weren't shooting anyone right at that moment, you know, and um, she was con- prisoner of war. She had, in fact, killed their brand new uh, leader, you know, whatever you thought they did that she was caught dead to rights similarly there's a part that is played for like war thriller where a group of them go and kill all these enemies and then they guy and then they save their guy and see hey he's having tea with the leader of all the people they just killed and he finds out they're going to be the allies that are going to work together and it's too late they've already killed them and that's Mm. played for laughs as much as I love James Gunn um, and was entertained when I wasn't thinking, um, you know, now that we're talking about this topic, I'm like, wow, I do take in a lot of violence to ultra violence without really reflecting on, wait a second, what, what's really going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, um, when doing the Punisher, they went to great lengths to justify his actions but you'd have to really research it and look at it again and see if it does on well, the I, same... I, I, i'm sorry i was just gonna just because you said that i was just gonna jump on the you said we haven't had a chance to do the alex simmons wayback machine so when you were talking a wayback so... moment flashed into my brain and there was uh back in the 40s you know which was a, a more sanitized time uh, for comics and things like that to a certain degree. I mean, heroes were heroes and the people that were being killed in the comics, especially like in Captain America comics, things like that, were the Nazis and other uh, Axis villains that we were going up against. Um, but in particular, there was a, a, a character called Captain Marvel. Now, this is not the Marvel Captain Marvel. That Shazam Captain Marvel. This is the Shazam Captain Marvel. So it's remember, he's a little boy who says a certain word and turns into this adult superpowered being. And in the comics, there's a, there's a little bit of a, a lighter hue, a light, light humorous aspect to some of the, the storytelling and, and, you know, the golly gee kind of thing about him. Cause he's a kid in this adult body, but the comics were played for superhero, super good stops, bad guys. They did a, a serial S E R I A L as in a movie. Uh, stories, you know, presented in chapters every week. You go to the movie theater, you see the next installment, right? And the Captain Marvel in that film was about as brutal as you can get. Uh, <laughs> within, I think it was the first or second chapter. Uh, and by the way, he's in a foreign country uh, when, when he does all this. And he does this first thing. He, he's saving these, uh, these um, explorers. Uh, from being attacked by the the indigenous people of the area, but some of these indigenous people were bad guys. But nevertheless, he gets a hold of a of a machine gun, you know, and just wipes out a bunch of guys, basically shooting them as they're running away from him. So he he shoots wow. them in the back. So that was one. Later in the serial, in America, he's fighting a bunch of you know thugs, gangster types with the suits, jackets, ties, and all that thing. But he's fighting them on the top of this tall building, and he. They, they can't hurt him with bullets. Bullets bounce off of him like Superman. But he disarms a guy, picks the guy up over his head, and just nonchalantly throws him off the roof to his death. 
Now, this was not anything that was going on in the comics. And when I first saw this, I was a teenager. So I'm still reading comics that basically say your heroes don't do stuff like that. And I'm seeing this serial uh, from the 1940s. I'm seeing it in the 1960s at a, in a private screening. And I'm going, whoa, what, <laughs> you know, that's, a little, that's a little intense. You know, and that was the reaction of almost everybody in the room. Like, whoa, what, what the heck? So now that's mild compared to what we've seen happen since. And I, and I think what you're saying, and I think it was really what you said, whereas you, you've been exposed to a certain lot, uh, amount of violence or ultra violence, and some of it can be very entertaining. And your exact phrase was, when I'm not thinking. Yeah, when you're desensitized. Yeah, sure. You know, and I think that's that's a part of of what we're looking at. Well, and it, yes, the other core question is, what is a hero? So I'm sorry. So go right, well, it also becomes your responsibility. You know, uh, over this uh, last set of Disney put out uh, the Hawkeye miniseries, and he takes out and he and Hawkeye, Clint Barton, uh, Barton and um, Kate, both Hawkeye. And they take out dozens and dozens and dozens of villains. Um, but they don't kill them. Uh, they hurt I'd, have them. To, I'd have to watch them with a fine-tooth comb, but there's two, two scenes in particular. One in a, what was a, a once a toy store, and another that was in uh, the ice rink at Rockefeller Center. And... Um, Hawkeye, especially Clint Barton, especially takes out uh, people with um, sh- hits the shoulder uh, to the uh, egg to, um, to the leg against the wall or whatever. And in uh, the Rockefeller Center, they use some trick arrows. So they blow some people up and it's kind of, you know, they fall knocked out and this and that. I don't it doesn't they don't show people actually dying. That is a conscious decision of that show. Over on HBO Max, just a week or two later, is Peacemaker again, um, uh, James Gunn, who I love again, and he is telling a story with this ultra violence and, and making some comments about it. So I don't I don't want to be like you know looking down at James Gunn. I think he tells great stories, but Peacemaker, I mean, by the very name, he is living embodiment of irony. He says, I love peace and I am dedicated to peace. And I don't care how many men, women, and children I need to kill to get it. There's this conscious irony there. So when you as a creative are going to your story, you have to decide what, you know, what tale am I telling and how far am I willing to go to tell that tale? Mm. Um, I I wrote uh uh, Hellhound is uh, some characters I have who uh, are financed by the FBI and chase potential demons or sometimes real demons, right? But there was in California, where, where is that? He's California Dream, Screaming, there. California Scheming, which is a, a Buchacan anthology. Uh, they showed up there and they taking on this uh, former associate of theirs who has gone off the deep end. And they're trying to track him 
killing everybody who was in their old unit or something like that. And that they have is doing this whole speech about how Hollywood shoots off of bullets a year and makes a fortune doing so. And this is what they feed the American public and all that sort of stuff. And it sounds like a real heartfelt speech and all that sort of stuff, because in the writer, my intent is to express that, you know, but the character is just killing time until the actual killer shows up. So, you know, what is his intent, you know? Mm. So as a writer, you have to, or as a creative, you have to, all right, all right, what am I going to say? And why am I saying it, you know? And are are you making one point? Are you making a couple levels of points, which I think James Gunn is doing? Um, and how far are you willing to go? I'll, you know? I'll also, uh, I was in, um, I don't know if necessarily to say what country, but I was, one of my tours, one of my speaking tours, I was in another country. And there was uh, an artist who I'd say was probably in his 30s or so, was showing me some of his work. And it was a lot of really, you know, explicit violence in the storytelling that he was doing and you know i looked at the artwork and i i made some comments about you know story structure and things like that and then i he wanted me to he gave me a, uh, one of the books to read and the next day when i was presenting um again at the same location he was there in the audience again and i was talking about our responsibility as storytellers in particular when we are writing to uh kids or young adults and and I wasn't really focusing on adults I was just focusing on kids and young adults and I was just talking about again what we perceive of as violence or gore or horror or suspense uh, and what level we take it to uh, for certain audiences may not be appropriate for others because you know what what are we saying with it what kind of imagery are we you know instilling in their minds what, what kind of message are we sending? And I say, not just saying that it's our responsibility, as you just said, Chris, it's our responsibility to be conscious of that, to as storytellers, to know what are we trying to say with this story? So afterwards, he comes up to the uh, podium and he's talking to me and he says that he's been doing these books for a couple of years now. And it never occurred to him to think about that. And he was doing his books for young adults. And he was looking at the amount of violence he had in there. And it was stuff that was exciting to him as a 30-something-year-old man. But as a 17-year-old, as a yeah, what was the effect? What, right. what, what were they thinking? What was the story that he was telling? Was it necessary to put that violence in there? Or was he just doing it for shock or yeah. gimmick? Right. And he said he was going to have to think about that. And, you know, I don't know what his final decisions were. I don't know if this right. impacted on any other more, any other stories that he did. But it is something that we need to make conscious choices about. Right. Well, if we bring it back to comic books, you know, and take just we'll pull into the intro thing about Marvel by the month. One of the things they find greatly amusing is because in 1961, the core audience or target audience were you know, 12 year olds, especially um, weirdly 12 year old boys. Although before that, girls were a huge part of their audience. 
Mm-hmm. You know, but once superheroes uh, exploded, they seem to have forgotten that, even though they were still publishing Millie the Model and all these other, you know, young romance and all that sort of stuff. Or maybe it was just the overt sexism of the times. Um, but one of the things that uh, the hosts of, and I apologize to them for not knowing them their names by heart, but the hosts keep talking about, you know, reading this so much more innocent time, you know, as far as... Um, the level of violence or this or that. And then this guy comes in and says, well, look at what they did in the fifties and it's much more violent. And they're like, well, how did that happen? Right. So they have to readjust. And they also are looking at the, you know, the early sixties, mid sixties, when they're just starting to say, oh, we should say something about all this social change and, you know, all these horrible things going on. And they're going to start exploring that. But we also know that by 2022, we have gone through the 80s and 90s eras of uber violence, and that there are what comics are today and who they're written for are not the same back then. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. were written for those 12 year olds, but now comics are written for those same 12 year olds who are now in their 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're writing for a completely different audience. You know, um, I, I would they, also can they say be that, measured with the same, you know, with the same uh, uh, ruler? You know? I would also say that some of those twelve-year-olds who were reading comics back in the sixties became those thirty-year-olds who were writing comics, and and brought their sensibilities to the characters that they had grown up enjoying. But now they're of the age they are, and they're thinking we gotta we gotta up the stakes. You know, we got to upgrade to 3.0 now. We got to do something. You know, I mean, um, and I, and I, you know, I respect this man tremendously, Denny O'Neill, sure. uh, Denny O'Neill and, and Neil Adams. Uh, when they brought social issues and uh, drug addiction and things like that into the superhero world of DC, um, to us at the time, that was, wow. It wasn't repulsive. It was, you know, yeah, so Green Arrow's young archery partner who had been as innocent as the driven snow for 20 years now was young Harper. I forget his first name, Ron Harper, Don Harper, whatever Roy. it was. Roy, Roy Harper, who had been, he'd gotten hooked on drugs. And you're know, thinking, okay, so why was he hooked on drugs? It's just stuff like a gimmick. And in the story, because Denny understood storytelling, it wasn't like, oh yeah, I just started using drugs yesterday and now I'm hooked. It was Oliver, Green Arrow. Yeah, I've been your sidekick, but you've never been anything else to me. You've never been the father figure. You've right. never been, you know, you've never, you didn't, you didn't show an interest in what I was dealing with as a young man growing up, right. except when we were fighting crime. And, and if I you're had, watching on YouTube, you can see me pointing to the cover of that issue. Yeah, which is right, right there in the, the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the darkness, so it's a little hard it's to see, but yeah. But I well, mean, it's the past. Yeah, so. but Denny understood that it's not like, oh yeah, let me just throw in this thing. It's like, right. what's the history of this thing? What did the character go through that brought him to this point? And then more importantly, what is the story? Are we now going to show the degradation of drug addiction? Are we going to play this out for multiple issues and having him going down the sewer and everything? Or are we going to have, you know, possibly use this as a vehicle to maybe inspire or or at least make some statement about saving yourself, you know, mm-hmm. you know, finding your way back to where you're in charge of your life as opposed to yeah. this thing controlling you. 
And and well, Oliver again didn't save everybody. He didn't. He didn't. Green Arrow didn't suddenly go. Well, you're right, kid. Let's do this. No, no it was from a more sophisticated storytelling direction. Right. So as a hero figure, he took responsibility for where he screwed up. Right. Well, that that series of Green Lantern, Green Arrow by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, the hard traveling heroes, was a series where one or the other character had to wake up to something they didn't know mm-hmm. or something that they um, had to check themselves and their possible prejudice about or, or their it, ignorance yeah. about or, and, and it was, you know, if it was published these days, it would say, wow, this is a woke series, but it was just a series where, you know, they were, shaking up these two characters who were traditional characters from way back in the 40s but this is the first time they had to deal with social issues um and and issues that the readers were dealing with or were starting to become aware of right it was a real exercise in all right how can we use this storytelling ability that we have to to make a contribution and these like brings us right back as a fan base yeah Yeah, it brings us right back to our responsibility as creatives okay you can tell a story what are you going to do with it so so let me let me just explore this again going back to that word that four-letter word again hero you know what is what is a hero um i've done some things you know written some things back and forth over the past couple of years where i've asked that question you you've asked the question uh, what is a hero? What, what is expected? You know, one man's hero is another man's villain. Sometimes, when um, I think it was a scene that Tom Brevoort in Tom Brevoort's article, uh, he mentioned a scene between Nightcrawler and Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And Nightcrawler is, is really questioning Wolverine's whole mindset and his methodology uh, because, you know, he says you you seem, you know, willing at at, at any point in space and time to you know take those claws and just carve through people and everything and and you know how how do you how do you justify that when you know we're in effect supposed to be the good guys and wolverine makes a statement then at the time that if in effect if if a if a a, an opposing opponent opponent comes at me with fists then that's what i'll meet him with you know knuckle to knuckle but if he brings a weapon to the to the fight then he says because i've been a soldier and i've been an assassin and i've been all these things i will then use appropriate force i will certainly deploy my weaponry and it is kill or be killed so he was saying that my line in the sand is if if it's just hand to hand then we're good you know you'll probably walk away with this or be carried away with some broken bones but if you're going to try and take my life, I will happily or certainly quickly take yours. Yeah, but uh, with that, you have to, your hero has to live a very fine and conscientious, they have to walk a very fine line and live a very conscientious life. Because as we have seen, especially in the last 10 years, that kind of thinking has been twisted and twisted, you know, to, oh, you know, uh it's what you're saying is fake news and what i'm saying is real news yeah and you know all that stuff and um well you know the victimization of the person who just you know beat somebody up you know well wait a minute what are you talking about you're a victim well yeah 
two Look things at me. That, You're pointing a camera at me. Two you know, things whatever. that come out of that that brief that 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 quote that Brevoort used is Brevoort then continues to go on to mention that there's a, a storyline where Wolverine sees that an X-Men has been captured by what appears to be agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and is being uh, taken someplace and jumps in to rescue this fellow team member, deploying the claws and wiping these guys out, killing mm -hmm. them. They, they had not, no weapons in hand. So he wipes out these, he kills these agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. After the fact, he finds out they're fake, that they were actually bad guys in disguise. But he didn't know that going into the fight. Right. So in effect, he willingly murdered a number of officers of the law. So where's that line? Did he have to, did he, did he as a character, and did the writers make that character deal with the morality of that? No. In the story, See, no. And and that's, me, that, that's what the article is about. Is like, and again, you just said it. Did that writer? Because the writer who wrote the scene between Nightcrawler and Wolverine is not the writer who wrote that right. later scene. Right. And, and and that goes into the sensibility of the writers, which is what we're asking. How do you guys, you know, and when I say guys, I don't mean gender specific. How do writers approach their responsibility to be either ethical or clear or true right. to a character's bio? and mm -hmm. and and makeup and history you know or do you just go you know what? i got a chance to do this and i gotta i gotta like you know put something in that's gonna grab right. people i'll just throw this thing in i'll well, just you know, up the body count again it's the moral responsibility between writing a character that is on uh some kind of journey of discovery some kind of uh, uh moral dilemma or some kind of conflict and how that resolves because that's why humanity goes for goes to stories is to kind of practice that and be experienced with that and to see how others do. But there's a fine line between having a character make, you could do that story, Alex. You could, you know, mm -hmm. you could do the story where Wolverine kills S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. He thinks he's killing S.H.I.E.L.D. and his he realizes his reasoning is not sound and therefore he has in fact committed murder and at least manslaughter depending mm -hmm. on how he grapples with intent and mm -hmm. action. And then that would that would change the course of his journey. And right. if you would do that and have that responsibility and have him take those reparations or, you know, or the, the responsibility for it, that's a legitimate story, making that mistake and moving but forward. Having to that. process that, having to live with it. Superman yeah. did that when he killed the Phantom Zone villains in it was a maxi series uh, some years ago when he he felt because they destroyed other Earths and he was not going to let them destroy his and came down to the line. The only way he could take him out was to kill them. But he lived with that guilt for a year yeah. for, you know, for every story thereafter in that in the space of, of a year or so that would come back to haunt him. And, and just to use a different medium. Uh, one of my, my favorite TV series is NCIS. And the lead character, who's, you know, the character who started, the, you know, who's the first, the prime character of the series, uh, Jethro Gibbs, um, we find out several episodes in that something that he did before the series even started was he, as a sniper, killed a drug dealer in a foreign country 
because that man had back in the United States months before killed Gibbs wife and daughter because they were witnesses to a crime the man committed and then the man had escaped. So Jethro went after him and, and killed him. So, okay, one could leave it at that. It's okay, you did that. And then eventually you became um, a special operative and then a naval investigator and all that. And okay, that was that episode in season one or season two, and we don't hear about it again. The series has gone into its 19th or yes, 19th season. And almost every season, certainly every other season, that act has come back to haunt him in some way or shape or form. He's had to yeah. deal with it or, or, or answer to it, or it's affected other characters in the story because right. you don't get away with that and not have to deal with it in some way, shape or form. And how he dealt with it, um, and I'm just gonna be very quickly, there's a point where some of his own team members find out that he did this. They didn't know this. They find out he's done it now, and this is years later, obviously, and they're saying, if we take the information we've got, we turn it over to the authorities, you're going you're gonna to be tried and convicted, going to go to prison. What do you want us to do? You know, we'll bury this for you. And he goes, no, do, do your job. Yep. And that speaks to him. Right. Yes, I'm taking responsibility for what I did. You are not going to cover that up for me. Right. You know? So once again, as writers, if we are true to the characters we create or true to the character that we are hired to write, Right. And the justification of certain acts is built in. Okay, then you deal with that. But, you know, well, I think, again, for me, and, and again, as you like to refer to us as old geezers, uh, the Batman that I respect as a character is the one who says, because my parents were slaughtered that way, my job, my goal, my mission is to protect life right and i i will i will cause pain in doing it i will obviously take pain in doing it but i will not take a life i will not do that that to me is a hard road to walk and it's 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 just really a mark of the character if he can hold to that right. and for sensationalistic violence with suddenly arming the bat plane with machine guns and watching him chew right. people up you know, I can watch a war movie and deal with that, you know. Well, again, whether it's character. Batman or a war movie, between character development and, uh, you know, uh, morals um, and the struggle with to a moral person in an immoral world, often immoral world, and violence porn, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I would give a, a uh, I would point to people who want to see this done well. Um, Disney's Hawkeye series, mm -hmm. right? Especially if if you've seen Infinity War, um, uh, well, more Endgame because he he is shown opening of that movie losing his his wife and all all of his children to this to the snap, mm -hmm. and then he becomes Ronan, which is he is an assassin of the criminals. I mean, yeah, he, on a he, on a massive scale, massive scale. But through, say, maybe a third of the way into Endgame onwards, especially a special tribute to Jeremy Renner's performance and the way the character is written, from there through 
the the end of Hawkeye, you see someone who is dealing with loss, and then once they're back, the joy that they're they've returned. And then in the Hawkeye series, here's a person who is living with the guilt of what he did, even though he can justify it as, you know, this this basic assassin or weapon he calls himself. You know, and you just hope the people who are pointing you in the direction are good people. But he knows he's a weapon. And this journey back to redemption and to uh, humanity, where he can find peace for what he's done and um, and forgive himself for what he couldn't prevent from happening mm-hmm. is a fascinating study on how to handle this well you know girl we've been asking that you know and what's the difference between uh where do you fall on the uh on the spectrum of violence and what's justifiable and what's not what's responsible and what's violence porn they do an extraordinarily good job there and his performance is uh impressively restrained so that you can see all of the uh, um, textures and flavors of that, you know, the nuances of that uh, pain mm-hmm. uh, coming out in in what is a supposed to be a very light romp. You know, it's it's and, a fascinating thing too. to come yeah, yeah. at as a creative writer and say, okay, what are the writers having this character experience how is the performer performing that experience and what is the total effect you know uh of that series in that journey and it's a good it's a good exercise to look at um how to do it and not go over the top i think i think you know in in at least winding this up for me um Mm -hmm. i would say there are wonderful examples in writing for both comics and novels and films yeah. of tormented characters or characters tormented by some act, either heinous or otherwise, of violence that they had to deal out, uh, that they they perpetrated. Um, you know, and how they deal with it is an interesting story in and of itself, even to the point of, you know, let's say a, a soldier or a police officer who knows I'm going to be facing more violence in my career um but i've taken a number of lives and they're in there and you know sometimes i have nightmares or i have this or i have regret or whatever but i've got to deal with that because of the the job or the mission that i've taken even that is intriguing and good storytelling and and makes the violence less you know eye candy um or sensationalistic and I and I, even Don McGregor's um, uh, works with uh, the Black Panther, with Detectives Incorporated, with a couple of other stories that he has done. He this this violence in McGregor's material, you know, mm-hmm. but it's it's never sensationalistic violence that oh yeah, it's this cool to do this. Someone pays for that violence, and if it's the hero, then he or she pays with having to process that how it affects them. Is there regret involved? Can I do that again if I have to? Like, you know. So I think that for me, um, if, you know, as a writer, if you're going to 
uh, write what is supposedly a heroic character. And, and again, defining what a hero is, that's something you should do. Uh, but if you're going to be doing heroic characters, then you, you must ask yourself, what is the ethical and moral compass of the character? Yeah. You know, and, and then define the actions or determine the actions based on that. And whatever their actions, whatever actions they take, understand that there has to be a point where they're processing it afterwards. Yeah. I'm, uh, in my own writing, obsessed with non-heroic heroes you know, um, that are not prepared <laughs> to be, you know, uh, the center of that fight or, or, you know, they don't have the tools to be, da, 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 yeah. you know, and they have to deal with extraordinary circumstances um, as regular people. And that's really where, I think that's where a lot of us are trying to figure out, you know, where we fit in this world, yeah. especially as the world gets more complex. And, so and, and that's why we need to write responsibly and tell those damn stories tell so that the other story and tell it well damn it <clears throat> yes right, right tell tell the story well damn it yes tell the damn story well and tell it well damn it um <laughs> yeah so again uh thank you everybody for joining us please yeah. please please let us know what your thoughts are about this if there's something we didn't cover in this uh, your opinion on this please 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 uh drop it in the comments Send us an email at ttdsonair at gmail.com. That's tell the damn story, ttdsonair at gmail.com. Uh, or like I said, um, on um, Instagram, we're tell the damn story. Let's keep it simple and clean. And we're the same thing on Facebook, tell the damn story. Okay, so let's hear from you. Chris, cool. as always. Yes. As always, peace, brother. Take care, everybody. All right.